praise you evermore. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Please be seated, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. We find ourselves this evening right smack dab in the middle of what I've been referring to as our overture. The first 18 verses of the Gospel of John, the preface, the prelude, the introduction, the prologue, as it's normally called. I've been suggesting that one way to examine these verses is to imagine them in written form in the same way that an overture introduces an opera. It gives you not the whole opera, but highlights. It gives you a taste. It gives you a feel. And it moves you up and down through all of the various themes that are to follow, that will be unpacked, that will be revealed in greater detail. We've worked our way through the first eight verses. We've been introduced to the Word. In the beginning was the Word, taking us and our mind all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This Word was at the beginning with God. Through this word, all things were created. And this word not only was with God, but he is God. This word, this Jesus, is the light of the world. The light that no darkness can overcome. Last week, we had kind of a, an odd change in our overture. We were introduced to John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who is not the light. But God sent him to witness, to bear witness, to reflect the light, to reflect Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now, our overture sort of returns back to some of the original themes that we had at the very beginning. This true light. The true light. Jesus. The light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. The true light. When you hear those first three words, we have an assumption, don't we? If God is talking about the true light, 
What does that tell us? There are false lights. If God is pointing us to the true light, Jesus Christ, He is warning us against the false lights. The cheap imitation lights. The lights that promise what they can't deliver. The lights that give the impression or the illusion of true light. But upon closer examination, they fail. And they fail miserably. This time of the year, Christmas light displays are everywhere. Contests are held. Several years ago, I was asked to be the celebrity judge for the neighborhood light contest. It was crazy. It was great. It was a great honor. And I got hate mail afterwards. People love extra lights at this time of the year. It's part of the festive Christmas spirit. But as you look at light displays, maybe even some of the lights in your own home, what do these lights show? The little drummer boy? Frosty the snowman? Santa Claus? These lights can be a lot of fun. But they're not the true light. They're not the true light of Christmas. The secular Christmas celebration is very, very strong among us. Does that mean it's bad? Does that mean it's evil? Of course not. But when these lights attempt to overshadow the true light, then it becomes wrong. My friends, as we get closer and closer to our celebration of Christmas, God wants us to cling to, to bask in the glow of the true light, Jesus Christ. The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. Now you could look at these words and you could falsely read them to say, that everybody's going to heaven. Because this true light enlightens everyone. That would be contrary to the clear word of God. Might be fun to think about or dream about. But it's a lie. What God is teaching us here is that this true light Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. There is no one who is excluded from the light. 
Yesterday afternoon, it had been cloudy and gloomy and drizzly for what seemed like a week, even though it was only about two and a half days. And for a brief time, late yesterday afternoon, the sun came out. And it was so bright in comparison to the gloom that we had been in, it hurt your eyes. It hurt your eyes to be out in the sun. That sun was so bright. Now, if I had walked out into that sun and closed my eyes and said, Lord, why won't you give us some sunlight? I'm tired of this drizzle. Is it God's fault that I wouldn't open my eyes and see the sun? Of course not. God sends his light, Jesus Christ, for the whole world. Remember, this is an overture. What do we read in John chapter 3? For God so loved a few people? No. For God so loved the world. The light. The light of God. The light gives life to all people. This is God's desire. God desires that all people would hear the good news of Jesus Christ and believe. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth by speaking the world into existence. Through this word, Jesus Christ, the light of the world, all things were created. Jesus comes to this world. But the world did not know him. The world did not recognize him. The world did not believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the first half of John 3.16. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We do not teach or believe in any kind of universalism. That is the teaching that everybody goes to heaven no matter what you believe. That's a lie. That's a pipe dream. Only those who believe in this light, this true light, Jesus Christ, only those who believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, only those who grasp or know this Jesus by grace through faith, are saved. Well, if that's true, and it is, our response should be, this is awesome. How do I get it? How do I get this light into me? How do I get this salvation into me? Do I write out a big check? Is there a long list of things that I need to do? 
Oh, maybe I'm not in the right family. Maybe I need to be adopted into a different family. Maybe if I just try or pray or obey hard enough, maybe this light will come into the world. What does our overture teach us? He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. This light is mine when I believe him, when I receive him. This is what God's word says. But there are so many people who teach so many different things about what it means to receive Jesus. Here, recently, the last several months, if you watch any TV at all, you have seen, certainly, at least one commercial by Franklin Graham. The first 90% of the commercial is some of the most beautiful gospel proclamation that I have ever seen on TV. It's on our local stations. It's on our network stations. It's on our sports stations. It's even on the Hallmark Channel. Franklin Graham preaches a mini-sermon about sin and darkness and death and life in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. Remember when I said the first 90%? Because in the last 10%, he takes it all away. He takes it all away. He says, if you want this salvation, if you want this forgiveness, then here's what you need to do. That should be flag number one. Here's what you need to do. You pray this prayer with me. And then he recites the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer that's in the back of every Gideon's Bible. The sinner's prayer that as is a part of every altar call that has ever been made. You have to do something. You have to give your heart to Jesus. You have to make a decision. You, you, you. My friends, forgiveness, life, and salvation is not up to you. It's a gift. It's a pure gift. As beautiful as that gospel proclamation is in the first part of that commercial, the last part ruins it all. It's a false light. It's not the true light. My friends, 
God's word teaches us. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born. You ready for this? Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. It has nothing to do with your family lineage. It has nothing to do with your family traditions. If you are clinging to those instead of Jesus, the true light, you are headed for disaster. God's word is clear. It teaches us that we must be born again. John chapter 3. The whole conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was concerned. He was confused. What does it mean to be born again? Jesus says, you must be born of water and the Spirit. This is how God delivers the light to you. Not from a decision. Not from a prayer. Not from your own will. But in the life-giving waters of holy baptism. Where God delivers the light of the world. Where God delivers the deliverance. Where God delivers forgiveness, life, and salvation to you. Where He claims you as His own. Where He creates in you the faith to believe and receive the promises of God. My friends, the Apostle Paul, who penned these words of our overture under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of course wrote three small epistles and they too flow from this overture the same themes the same language this is the warning that God through Paul or through John gives us in 1 John chapter 4 Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets, false lights, have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. I remember reading these words and thinking, John's got it backwards. The false prophets, the false lights, teach that Jesus isn't God. And here... He says, the false prophets, the false lights, teach that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. My friends, when we ascribe to ourselves a part or a, an action in our conversion, in our faith, we are denying the incarnation of Jesus. 
When we deny that Jesus comes to us really, totally, and completely in the waters of holy baptism, we deny the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we deny that Jesus is really present in, with, and under bread and wine, we are denying the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus didn't come in the flesh. And he certainly can't come by these ordinary means now. My friends, these are grave and serious errors. These are grave and serious sins. And tonight, we know that there have been times when we have been fooled by the false lights of this age. We have, at times, been enamored by the flash and the glow without examining them according to the true Word of God. There have been times when we just didn't care. We didn't care enough to examine a light to see if it was true or false. My friends, for all these sins and more, Jesus Christ, the eternal Word, took on flesh and blood. He lived a perfect life. He died our death on Calvary's cross. Physically, in the flesh, He rose from the dead, never to die again. The darkness could not hold the light of the world. This light shines bright. And wherever His Word is taught in its truth and purity, and His gifts, His sacraments are administered according to the command and promise of God, there is the light. The true light. The light that gives life to everyone. May this true light be your light today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our light in Christ Jesus our Lord.